Welcome to Kol Isha, the podcast that gives Orthodox women a voice. Welcome back to Kol Isha. This week, I am joined by two return guests who I'm really, really honored to have on again. Ilana Yebi and Yafi Newman. So for any of you who've been following along for a while, we spoke to these beautiful ladies about a year ago. Um, at that time, we also had a third guest on together by the name of Batya Delmore, who unfortunately was not able to join us today because of other obligations. So shout out to Batya because she's amazing as well. Um, but the reason we had them on a year ago was because at that time, the whole world and especially the United States was really focusing a lot on racism. And the thing that these ladies share in common is that they are all Jewish from women of color. Um, they are doing a lot of advocacy, especially over the past year. And they've sort of taken this upon themselves um, in this incredible role of education um, under no obligation to do it purely just for the benefit of our community uh, to help educate and to help sort of share their stories and experiences. And I'm so honored to have them on again. And I wanted to do sort of like a little catch up with what's been going on over the past year. And in addition, as everybody knows, anti-Semitism has been a big issue lately. And one thing that these ladies have in common is that they have the, uh, I guess, unfortunate experience of having to deal with both racism and anti-Semitism. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about these issues with them. So welcome back, Yafi and Alan. I'm so happy that you agreed to join me again today. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. I'm really happy to be back here. It's my pleasure. So Alana is a Brooklyn-based performance artist. Um, she's a mom and she is a Jewish woman of color who has been dealing with all the issues that we just spoke about. And Yafi too, she is a native Floridian who now lives in Israel. So she's joining us all the way from Israel. So I'm really excited to uh, get to this conversation. So, you know, reflecting back on the past year, um, Yafi, I'm curious to hear a little bit about what your experience were. Of course, you were here on this podcast with us, but I know you've also spoken to a lot of other audiences um, and you've been doing a lot of education, a lot of advocacy. Um, and tell me a little bit about how it's been for you this past year. I know like about a year ago, but of course it extended further. Racism was a really, really hot topic. Um, we did a lot of talking about that in all sorts of venues. And then sort of, you know, as things do, that um, urgency sort of died down a little bit. And tell me what the past year has been like for you dealing with um, education on racism. Um, so yeah, the past year has definitely been a kind of wild trip, um, mainly in part of the fact that I never really envisioned myself doing this really in any capacity. Um, I may have mentioned before last time we spoke, I definitely have spoken about this in general, that like my father was like a huge advocate and activist for so many things, but certainly about like, you know, what it's like to be a black man and deal with racism and a Jew and deal with anti-Semitism. And that's just never like a mantle that I thought I would take up really in any way. So it's been really crazy. As you said, I have been talking at a lot of different forums, organizations, schools, you name it. Um, and it's definitely been very rewarding for me, but also very like awe-inspiring almost and like humbling um, to have the opportunity to do that. That's cool. It sounds like you've really got this a lot um, from your father, like you sort of learned this advocacy role from him. And now you're taking um, like he sort of passed the baton to you. So it's really nice that you're carrying on um, his legacy and doing this. And Alana, what about you? Have you had any um, additional experiences speaking on racism in the community? And what has that been like for you? Um, yes, I've had a lot of experiences speaking on racism in the community. Um, it's interesting because I was speaking in the community um, about my wedding and then COVID happened and, you know, like that was the thing or sorry, COVID happened before my wedding. So that made it a thing. Um, and then a few months later, 
um, it became speaking about racism in the community. And so it kind of just transitioned, which was interesting how it happened. I, I don't know if I would have even been questioned had I not kind of been in the spotlight for having a COVID wedding. Um, and I've gotten to speak to a lot of different communities. I've gotten to speak to care of organizations and um, Chabad houses and really diverse groups of Jewish people. Um, I haven't really had the opportunity to speak to um, non-Jewish audiences, which I also feel could have a great benefit because as I've spoken to people that I know, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of people don't realize the intricacies of um, our communities and they don't understand all of the specifics of anti-Semitism. And then there are a lot of specifics um, just happening in every community, the diversity, um, the racism that might happen in the community, surrounding the community. So I think that that could be a possible next step for me. Um, creatively, I haven't really done much with my theater company because of COVID. Um, I think my last live performance was February of 2020 maybe. Um, and we are getting ready to open up soon. But I made a baby, which was a huge bracha. And I think one of the things that a lot of people focused on during this time, being isolated and quarantined and, and separate from our larger families and friends was to kind of expand our nuclear families. So I did have the, the merit to do that. Thank God. Wow, Mazel tov. That is so nice. Um, and it's beautiful that, you know, you, like you said, you're able to, to do so much education and, and so much work and speak to so many different types of people. Um, I'm really excited for you that you're getting back to work. And it's actually one of the things I, um, I've heard a lot about that so many performing artists were really struggling during COVID because there was like no way they can really pivot to, you know, do remote work like so many other um, groups could so many other professionals. Um, but it's really, really exciting. I've seen your post about having the baby and want to wish you um, Mazel tov on that as well. So uh, what you ladies have been doing, um, you know, going back this past year, you've really sort of taken that on almost voluntarily, you know, people, of course, asked you to speak and um, requested your your help in in education and things. But that's something that you obviously weren't like, you know, paid for and, and you sort of took that on uh, on your own. And I'm curious to hear what were your goals when you started? Um, did you have any or was it just sort of like, you know, you jumped into this organically and it, it just sort of took off from where it went? And do you feel like like you've seen change? Have you seen differences made in the community? Uh, were you happy, satisfied with the results? Were you disappointed? What do you feel um, was able to be accomplished during that time through the work that you were doing? Alana, um, if you would not mind uh, taking this one first. Um, for me, I just, full disclosure, um, there were things that I was paid for. Um, so I just want to clarify that okay. um, some of my speaking was paid for, um, especially after I started doing more and more speaking um, because that's just something that I think is of value. And I had to learn to value myself enough also to see that, you know, people get paid to speak. Um, for sure. So for sure. that's, that's not to say that, you know, I didn't do plenty of um, unpaid interviews and, and, and talks and things like that. So um, for me personally, I really felt like I had what to say and people were seeking it out and a lot of people didn't want to speak publicly and when I'm choosing what to do with my life or in any given situation I try and think is this something that only I can do now that doesn't mean like no one else can do it or it can't be done but is this something everyone wants to do and I should just let someone else do it or is this something 
I want to do, they want me to do, it fits in with my belief system and it can have an impact. And I really did feel like um, in a lot of ways, people wanted to hear from people, but there weren't so many people that wanted to share. Um, You know, I can think of maybe five people that I know that were sharing in this space in this way. And I did numerous panels with people, Um, but I don't think everyone has the capacity for it. So because I had the capacity for it, I felt like Hashem really wanted me to be doing it. Um, And like I said, I didn't seek anything out. Everyone came to me. So that was, that was another thing. I think when things come to you, you have to either, I mean, there were definitely many interviews that I turned down because they did not line up with either where I was, my belief system. I didn't feel like I could share with them in the way that they needed to be shared with. Um, you know, my life isn't completely an open book, although many parts of it are the entire, um, book is not open. There are many chapters that are not public. Um, so one of my goals was just to get people to treat people, um, like mentors. I think, um, that's the basis of human dignity is seeing another person and treating them like a person. And I, I don't have a litmus test for if I was successful in initiating any communities to be more welcoming or open towards all people. Um, but I can say that I did get positive feedback from some of my interviews, just from friends and family and um various other people that listened to interviews or talks that I gave and some people recommended me for other interviews and talks. And so that was, um, for me encouraging because it really means that people got something from it and that they needed to hear it. I, you know, would hate to be redundant or to be in a space that doesn't need me or doesn't need my voice. And I guess everyone has to look at their own individual community to really know if there was change or if there has been change and if you're growing. Um, I did speak to a lot of communities that I'm not a part of, most of them. I, the ones I spoke to were, I wasn't a part of, like this is kind of a, a broad podcast, but I spoke to some individual shuls or individual Kiruv organizations. So I don't know their population. A lot of them were in other countries or other states but hopefully they were able to glean something from it. And I, you know, I do have to say, just to strengthen your point, um, the episode that we did together um, is definitely way up there. Uh, if not the most listened to episode on my podcast, I think it is um, the most listened episode. Um, it's at least one of the most popular ones. And, you know, what I took away from that, I, I found it very satisfying to see that so many people were interested in hearing what you ladies had to say, because that means people want to learn and want to grow, you know, they want to hear your experiences and take those as a way to learn what they need to do better. And hopefully that is the catalyst for them doing better. And of course, like you said, there's no way to really measure that, but just the fact that people seemed so interested I think is a really good sign um, and hopefully, you know, was a catalyst for some change. So Yafi, you know, same, same question to you. What do you feel were some of your goals when you started? Do you see any difference? You know, you have an interesting perspective also because when you, you were here a year ago, you're in the United States and then you moved uh, back to Israel. And so you've sort of been in two communities um, through all this, maybe even more than I'm not aware of. Um, what do you, what have you seen? Um, so I definitely first off have to start off same as Alana that like, I thankfully have had the opportunity to speak at places that like, you know, offer to pay. I do think that's important to say, because I don't want to make it seem like everything I've done just, you know, and it's all been for free. But I think that a that that in of itself said a lot to me, like if you told 10 year old me years ago that, you know, communities, Jewish from communities who you view as a place that you would call home 
will value hearing your perspective and understanding your place so much so that they will bring you in as a speaker. I would not have believed it. Um, so I am very thankful for those opportunities. And also more than that, really what it says to me about the Jewish communities as a whole, and hopefully the direction that I hope we're going in. Um, I do try as often as possible as well to speak to places that either don't have the means or the ability to pay whatsoever, because it is something that once I got the ball rolling and I kind of dipped my toe in the water, I felt like, shoot, I can't stop. And like, not even like in a guilty way, more in the sense of like, this is so important to me. And I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to myself to my one day, God willing, future children, to the current generation, to the future generation. I just feel like it would be so wrong not to, you know, like there are things that I need to work on as a human being. Some things I know, some things that maybe I'm not aware of, and perhaps I need to be not necessarily called out on it, but I need someone to highlight that so that I can be more aware of it and start to work on it, you know? And that's how I really have tried to view this entire process and this whole past year and all the opportunities that I've had to engage in conversation, whether in a public forum like this or even more in private forums, in the grocery store, on the street, whatever, with people I've kind of viewed it as like, I have the ability to hopefully impart a different perspective to someone else's world. And that that's really important, you know? None of us are all seeing and all knowing, you know, like we're not God. So there's no way for any one of us to completely understand where another person is going. And I think that it's super dangerous whenever we feel like we do get someone else's shoes, whose shoes we've not been in. And I just think that all the opportunities that I've had to reach people who are able to come from like the vantage point of, I don't understand her and therefore I'm coming to here have really just meant the world to me. How much difference it's imparted, I have no idea. Like Alana said, it's hard to know. I definitely have gotten feedback from some of those places I've spoken, stories that people have told me afterwards of XYZ happened weeks later, and I normally would have reacted this way and not even realized it. And after hearing your talk, it was in the back of my mind, and I chose Dafka to react this way, and I walked away realizing like how good I felt about this and how wrong I now feel about the way I used to react. So there definitely has been a lot of that, which is very rewarding to see um, as well. That's great. You know, from what both of you are saying, it's so interesting because obviously like both of your experiences are different, but there's similarities too. But it sounds like you ladies viewed um, this almost like a calling, like you were put in this position, you know, having had your background and now being in this place right here, right now, that like you both said, this is a role that there's not that many people that can fill and you ladies could. And, um, you know, it sounds like you really viewed it as a huge responsibility, which it, which it is, you know, to take it upon yourself to make these changes, to be like a real catalyst for change. Um, and I'm very thankful for that because, you know, not everyone's willing to get up and make the, and put themselves in the spotlight and no, no one has to, you know, but it's not like you have an obligation to anyone to do this. Um, but, you know, it, it's such a necessary thing that you did and that you're continuing to do. And to your point, Yafi, I definitely feel like having spoken with you um, and heard your experiences. And I, I don't remember which of you mentioned, you know, like one of the things we can do is if you hear racist remarks made, you know, don't be afraid to speak up, call it out. And I've definitely felt more empowered um, to do things like that. But also it's just the awareness of when you like to pick up on things that you might not have necessarily been sensitive to in the past, but when you hear someone else's experience, then you go, Oh, you know, that that's a little wrong. I understand another person's experience with this might feel very uncomfortable. And, you know, now I'm sensitive to that. And, and that in itself is a very big deal. So, you know, personally, I thank you for that. Um, and I'm sure many others do. Um, so yeah, so overall, it's been a really rewarding experience this past year. Um, like life, though, it hasn't all been perfect. Um, I thankfully have not been on the receiving end of any sort of like hatred or anything of that kind. But not all of the opportunities to like create conversations have gone so seamlessly. 
there were some places that I was in conversation about this, that people were not as receptive or not as able to understand that I was there to share my perspective um, as a Black Jewish woman who shares both parts of that as like integral parts of her identity. Um, and I would definitely say that that was frustrating. Like there was, um, there were conversations that I had where um, my identity was kind of challenged as a black woman coming from Jews, which I found to be like just unfortunate, honestly, because I feel like if the reverse were to happen, like, you know, like identities as like Americans and Jews were challenged and then like your identity as a Jew is challenged as a result of your wanting to talk about anti-Semitism or if your Americanism is challenged as that, which is like a really unfortunate thing to see. Um, and I think it just speaks to the fact that like we are still having these conversations a year later, even though the heat and the media coverage has died down compared to what it was a year ago because of exactly that, that like, you know, like racism isn't some like problem that we can just like cut it out and like we put in a new like piece and now everything's fixed. Like there are definitely still problems. There definitely still needs to be a lot of education to these communities, to our communities and outside communities. Um, but I'm definitely thankful that that hasn't really been my experience for the most part. Wow, even for it to happen once is super unfortunate. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that. It's, it's disheartening even for me to hear. So I can't imagine what, what it was like for you to like put yourself out there and try to do something super positive and then have a negative experience from it like that. Um, but you know, that that's kind of why I wanted to do this follow-up episode with you because like you said, it's not just something that is a hot topic for a short while and then it's great and everyone moves on. You know, of course things go through phases. Sometimes it's more highlighted than other times, but there's always um, this underlying issue that can always use some work. Um, and, you know, I didn't want it to sort of just fall into the background and like, oh, I'll, I'll talk about racism when everyone's talking about racism and then, then we're done, you know? So that's sort of um, what I wanted to accomplish also with speaking with you today to keep the conversation going and to sort of bring that awareness that there's still work to be done. And, and I hope that's what people can gain from this also. Um, to sort of pivot in a little bit of a different direction. So of course, everybody knows that anti-Semitism has been a huge issue lately. Um, there's been crazy spikes in hate crimes against Jews. Uh, we've seen it in many different countries. The Israel-Gaza conflict recently could have been um, one of the major catalysts for that. And uh, we saw the response to that around the world and, you know, you lucky ladies, I say that sarcastically, have this like unique experience of being on the receiving end of these two types of bigotry and hatred. And I'm curious to hear from you how you sort of handle that and how you deal with that. Um, and also, are there any differences between the two for you? Uh, does it present itself differently to you? Do you respond to them differently? Are there some similarities or differences and how you sort of deal with that? You know, does does being on the receiving end of one type of bigotry help you deal with the other or are they like two totally different beasts? Uh, Yafi, I'm curious how you've been um, responding to this rise in anti-Semitism in the context of having dealt with racism so much lately. It's interesting because I actually haven't really spoken about this publicly yet at all. I'm, not, I'm now realizing it has been, in a word, overwhelming, like wholly and completely overwhelming. Um, it got so bad to the point where like I literally took a break off of social media for a couple of weeks when everything was like at its peak um, with everything going on here in Israel. And I just was just so disheartened and let down and upset with the social community at large, the world, everything. I don't really know that dealing with racism has made it like not, not easier, but more palatable. I don't know that it, that's really helped me. It unfortunately has made me almost a bit more jaded, like, uh, like surprise, surprise, like, you know, like now facing bigotry of another form, like, you know, like, 
and not as like a me thing as like a the world thing like surprise surprise that once again the world is being very or not the world but many people are being very closed-minded towards a certain group of people when they feel that they have the whole picture when in reality they do not have the whole picture you know which is generally how I feel about talking about racism in general but especially when it comes to talking about racism um, in Caucasian spaces that I often find that people feel like they understand about racism because it's like you know such an obvious topic and even what happened last year hadn't happened people feel like racism like you know like it's like a common thing that you'll hear like oh yeah racism is dead you know maybe not after last year it's not being heard as much but that's something that I've grown very accustomed to hearing and as Jews, we know that a lot of people also feel that anti-Semitism is dead. And it's just that frustrating feeling on both sides of people feeling like they understand a form of bigotry that you are experiencing that they are not. And oftentimes people feel like they understand it because they look at you and they're like, oh, well, I've gone through X, Y, Z, therefore I understand. Therefore I know that what you're going through is either A, not really that bad, or B, it's your fault, or C, it doesn't really exist. And you're kind of making something out of nothing. Um, and it's just been really frustrating. Like I, I chose, also honestly a year ago when I came to talking about racism, and there are some people, um, because this is a Jewish podcast, I'll speak only about the Jewish world. There are some people who said or posted things publicly that other people got really upset about. They're like, oh, that's so racist and attack them and whatever. And I'm not into cancel culture, but in general, a year ago, I didn't reach out to anything or anyone that I saw that was, you know, quote unquote, racist or problematic. The only people who I said things to, I think I said like one or two things to like a personal friend who like I knew said or did something unintentionally, you know, and like had like the best intentions at heart and was someone who I knew would be open to talking, even if they didn't have the best of intentions, which I know that they did. And the two times that I did that, it was very much as someone who was like, no, I totally didn't realize. Thank you so much for sharing and educating and talking. Like, I really appreciate it, which I did as well. And same with this now. Like, there was maybe one or two people who I personally reached out to to discuss things who I was like, I don't really think that you fully understand. Um, here is my perspective. Um, but as a whole, like, I took a step back because it just became so overwhelming that I was just like, I can't deal with it all. I think also on a personal note for me, and this is very selfish, but I'll be honest to say is that it's very scary for me. We were, we were in America when everything kind of came to a head. We were, we were in America a lot <laughs> over the last two years, but we were in America again um, when everything kind of exploded. And um, for me, it wasn't just terrifying about me and myself and my kids and my future, but it was also an imminent fear of is my husband going to be called up you know like he was having like sikhot with like all his people from the army visit not like his civic like higher ranking people like okay do we need to come back do we not whatever and baruch hashem for me personally in the end that didn't happen but it was just such an overwhelming and disheartening reality on all sides from the hate that the Jewish community was receiving to the disinterest in even trying to talk about it that I was seeing from the general world all the way to the imminent danger and threat for those that I loved and how no one was really interested in listening or talking about it. Very fascinating perspective. You know, I, I know you mentioned, you said uh, it was selfish of me. I don't think that's selfish at all. You know, like sometimes you just have to take care of yourself. Like there's only so much bandwidth that any one person has. And like, I saw, you know, a lot of people that I know who took on this advocacy um, to talk about anti-Semitism and try to put more information out there and try to, you know, help, you know, post things that might help other people understand the issues a little better. And I personally did not, you know, like, and I kept going back and forth, like, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? and I ultimately, like, I just couldn't, I didn't have the, I, I felt so tense the whole time and so wound up and everything. And I just didn't feel like I could take on that role. And like having that experience makes me respect you guys all the more for having done this a year ago with the issue of racism, because, you know, I can imagine that has some similarities and that saying the two are, are equal, but like you went and took on this advocacy role to sort of help educate and whatever. And like, I found myself like, I, I just couldn't, it was just something I couldn't bring myself to do at the time. There was so much um, going on. And, 
you know, it did give me like a serious appreciation for what you did. Um, and Alana, I'm curious, like how you feel, you know, you live in Brooklyn, you're probably surrounded a lot of the time by other Jews, but um, did you experience any of this anti-Semitism personally, or, you know, how do you, how do you relate to anti-Semitism in the context of what you've been doing with the work you've been doing, uh, fighting racism and things like that? Um, so my first instinct was to say that, you know, I hadn't really spoken out about anti-Semitism, but then I realized that although I haven't spoken out in an interview or given a talk on anti-Semitism or been, you know, an advocate for Israel in that sort of a capacity, um, my social media is often, I think, where I see my advocacy and also um, one-on-one. So last year at some point, during the whole um, situation that was going on with COVID and um, racism and anti-Semitism, because there was anti-Semitism in, I mean, we've been struggling with anti-Semitism since the beginning of time, but particularly I think in New York, there's been just like a slow surge in anti-Semitism. Like it's not just a recent thing. Um, A few years ago, there were a few anti-Semitic attacks, like physical attacks on men and women in my community. And last year, the mayor of New York was making statements that, you know, about Jews going out and not distancing and not wearing masks. And it really, those comments that he was making, I really felt were anti-Semitic. They were broad statements. I don't remember exactly what they were. And so I decided, you know, that I was going to post a photo of myself wearing a mask. And um, at the time I was doing a lot of essential work and um, it was important for me to be seen as a Jewish woman who was following the rules. And I mean, this is, this was at the height of COVID. This was not like after everyone was healed and after everyone was vaccinated and when restaurants were like, opening up and things were like getting uh, cool and fun again. This was like when the doors of 770 were locked and, you know, when people were not having people over for Shabbos and Pesach and when things were, you know, in most communities um, still shut down, I'll say. Um, So that was something that has, it's something that's remained important for me because, you know, you can't just make a broad statement, you know, to make a broad statement from a mayor publicly to me was inciting anti-Semitism. And so I wanted to speak out against that. And I experienced anti-Semitism in a different way than other people do. Um, You know, for people who are purely listening and have no idea what I look like, I have very dark skin. And most people, when they see me, Jewish or not Jewish, assume that I'm not Jewish. So I have to hear anti-Semitic comments a lot of the time from people who are assuming that I'm not Jewish and assuming that I'm going to agree with their anti-Semitic diatribe. Um, And so it's painful on like multiple levels because I feel the pain of being judged and of my family being judged and my community being judged. And then I feel the pain of otherness in that moment. You know, I feel the pain of, you know, you know, oh, Jews are like this and Jews are like that or whatever the comments might be. And then I feel this distance and then I have to make a decision of how I'm going to proceed on a bad day when I don't have the strength to, um, like really have a conversation with someone who might be like an Uber driver, a passerby, someone working in a shop. I just like keep going and, you know, keep my mouth shut. But on a day when I really feel strong, I really have a strong conversation with the person. And I really tell them, you know, I'm Jewish. It's not nice that you're saying that. Like, and I, and I really try and show them perspective. And I've seen, all kinds of things happen. Um, you know, sometimes the person 
apologizes. Sometimes they get more upset. Um, it really just depends on the person, the situation, I'm sure how I'm presenting in the day. And, um, you know, I experience all sorts of things when I go out with my husband who appears for the most part to a non-Jew to be um, white. And I mean, to me, that's always a conversation of like, are, you know, whatever the whole, like, are Jews white and, and that whole thing. I hate even saying that, but just so that people have, especially people who are listening, a picture in their head, um, things became so dangerous for my husband and I that we cannot walk out on Friday nights anymore. We do not walk on Friday nights just the two of us because we do not feel safe. Is that because um, your husband appears Jewish or because of you being a biracial couple? I think both. I mean, it's unclear when someone is threatening to attack you really why you're being attacked. It's, it's not always logical. And I've never sat down with any of these people and asked them. Um, but we have been threatened on multiple occasions. Wow. Um, thank God we have gotten out of those situations. Um, but I say that because people are always shocked when they hear that you know, shock that in our society in, you know, times when um, everyone is supposed to be loved and protected. And it seems like everyone is like, you know, marching arm in arm. And I have to say on the ground, I wish that were the truth that like, things were okay. And it seems like so 1960s that I don't feel safe walking at night with my husband. But it's the truth. It is the truth. And, you know, there are many layers to it. New York has become much more dangerous than it was before in general. Um, I don't know the reasons for that, but I can say that in general, it's just not the same type of place. And then especially for people who, for whatever reason, stand out. You know, I'm sure that it's not just anti-Semitism and um, interracial relationships. I'm sure other people, you know, I know that there was a surge in Asian hate crimes. And unfortunately, there just seems to be a surge in all kinds of, um, of crimes and hate crimes. And that's why I really do encourage people to send love to their neighbors and to be that shining light in times that really can seem very, very difficult and very, very challenging. Wow. I mean, there's like, there's really a, a lot to unpack with so many things that you just said, but I agree with you being a Jew who's, who walks proudly on the streets of New York. It, it, it's a crazy thing to say in 2021 when, you know, there's so much awareness of social justice and things like that. Um, and that we're afraid to walk in the street. Like i personally have not had any desire to go to the city recently. I have not gone. I would not want my husband to go. And it was like really brought home to me when um, I'm sure you heard just like a, a young man beat up in the streets of New York City. And that was the son of a close friend of mine. And I found out on Instagram when I saw a news photo of him, like with a, you know, beaten up with like a collar on his neck. And I was like, oh my God, like that's my friend's son. And it really just came home so powerfully to me. Like you can hear story after story, but until it's like someone, you know, or you experience it yourself, it's a whole different level, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, that's definitely something that I've, I've felt. Um, but, you know, to your point about there's so much awareness of, you know, anti-hate and um, lots of messages about peace and love and, and, you know, stop Asian hate and this and that. And, you know, anti-racism too, but the, the rea what's being said and the reality of what's playing out are two very different things. And it's such a strange dichotomy because people like to just say the right thing at the right time, but it feels like at the same time, they're not internalizing that or taking a lot of personal responsibility that goes along with, with what they're saying. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think that that's one of the reasons that, um, that I feel it's important to share because 
you know, not just on a, on a large scale, but even sharing with individuals that you interact with that might not know your story, but that are close to you, I think have even a stronger impact for that reason, because it's, it's real. And it's, it's sad that things are happening to people that we all care about. Um, and I think that that's another layer of, of pain that I've really felt is, um, you know, with everything that's going on and with everything that goes on, um, you know, with the most recent insurgents in Israel, I think the thing that was most painful for me, and I spent many days crying, many days, was just feeling like not only were we suffering, but people hated us. And it was like, I just don't understand. It's like, we're having this great struggle and we're trying to do the best that we can. And, you know, our brothers and sisters are literally dying and people, the world seemed to be blaming us for everything that was happening. Um, and, you know, even people that I know, and it was just so hard to it was hard to do anything. I definitely know that there were days when I did not do a single thing except be my baby. Yeah, it's this very like overwhelming and and just powerless sort of feeling. It's like it's all happening around us and like there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Like, you know, there were a lot of people like I mentioned earlier who did sort of take so much personal responsibility. I this war was almost fought more on social media than on the ground, you know, and and that is a, a platform that's available to help educate. It's not the best platform because unfortunately there's no room for nuance and that's part of the, the huge problem. But I have like a ton of respect for people that took it upon themselves to at least try. Um, but I definitely relate to, to what you were feeling then. But, you know, this is something you can speak to that I can't, but I'm curious how you feel about this because I'm a white woman. I'm a white Jewish woman, which to many in the world means almost the highest level of privilege you can get, you know, I mean, and Baruch Hashem, I have a great life. I am privileged in many ways. Um, but to many, that's like, oh, well, you can't know anything about victimization or suffering because you're Jewish and you're white. Um, but it seemed to me like the response to racism last year and over the past year was so much more cohesive than the response to anti-Semitism, right? Like a lot of people got on this bandwagon of saying, Black Lives Matter and support your Black friends and let's listen to them. Let's hear stories. Let's, you know, try to learn from their experiences. And to me, at least, there was virtual silence when it came to anti-Semitism. You know, like there was this one woman I just read about recently. Um, her This this was a pretty recent thing. Um, I don't know if you saw this story. Her name is April Powers. She's a Black Jewish woman who simply put out a statement that um, she supports Jews around the world and, you know, hate crimes against Jews need to stop. She didn't say anything about Israel or Palestinians. And she, I believe, was was forced to resign from her job um, because the Palestinian supporters said her statement was out of line because she didn't say anything in support of Palestinians. And they sort of, you know, like the mob sort of came for her. So and this was a black Jewish woman just speaking about the experiences of the rising hate crimes against Jews, you know? So Yafi, what do you feel about that? Like, do you, what was the the feeling of support when dealing with racism versus anti-Semitism? Did you feel support for both or, or not so much? Um, it's really hard, honestly, for me to compare the two in, in the light of support. Cause I guess like the best way I could try to like quantify it or like, yeah, I guess would be like to say that like, the way I feel about racism in general, like going as like a black woman through the world is that like, I almost like in the way that like I had to take a break from like being on social media and everything was heating up about Israel. I almost never say anything about like general racism in the world. That's like something that's like so above my head that I'm always like, I have no bandwidth for that whatsoever. Like none, like zero. So like for me personally, when I'm talking about like talking about racism, that's talking to what I view as my community, which is the Jewish community, you know, be it the from world, not from world. It doesn't matter. 
the Jewish world will always be first and foremost, like home to me, no matter what. Um, so it almost feels very different because when I'm talking about like support or not support over the last year, like I'm thinking mainly about like the support that I did or didn't receive from my Jewish brothers and sisters. Whereas like when I think about anti-Semitism, I'm not thinking like, I'm not thinking about that in the sense of like something that I'm dealing with that my community doesn't want to hear about. It feels more like something that I'm dealing with that the world doesn't want to hear about. So I guess like to begin with, like, I just think of them in very different terms. Cause like, I don't even like, it's like, I don't even like, like, I just basically don't even deal with racism that comes from like the general world. Cause when it does, if I say something great, I said it. And like, I kind of move on because I learned from like a very young age. And if I allow those things to, like stick on my back and I wish I could have this attitude for everything and constantly feel like, oh, just let it roll off my back. And unfortunately, or maybe very logically, like the closer someone is to you, the harder it is for something to roll off your back, you know? So I guess like that's kind of how I feel about like racism within the Jewish world as opposed to anti-Semitism on a worldwide scale. But yeah, like there's there's nothing to compare between like the, the, the support that I felt at least on social media as a black woman a year ago compared to the support or really lack thereof or hatred, if you will, honestly, that I felt as a Jewish woman on social media this year. However, I do personally feel that it's important to say, and this isn't a, oh, one thing is more important or better or worse or whatever. It's just like my lived experience in history that like I'm 26 years old, right? That's not so old compared to many people who are two, three, four times my age. Um, and there have been many times just in my short years on this earth um, where things have happened and there is virtually no peep whatsoever about racism and other things happened and people were speaking about anti-Semitism. Now, currently anti-Semitism is passe and racism like, you know, against blacks is like very in and very cool. So to me, like maybe I'm just such a cynic, but it almost feels like, well, currently racism is on the upswing and it's trending. So people are happy to speak out about it. Um, I don't know that I feel like that support is real support as much as I feel like it's popularity. And I think that that'll die down the same way how support against anti-Semitism has certainly died down over the last few decades. Um, but I do think that that's very important to say, because I can say that um, as a young kid, especially growing up in Florida, and at this point, I wasn't even that young, when Trayvon Martin was killed, and my father was reading me the, the morning news as we did together. Um, it wasn't even like, a, oh, my God, look at what happened to this black kid. It was like, hmm, another one. And this is the response. Hmm, par for the course. What like, what we're used to, you know? And like, that was like, there was no Black Lives Matter. There was no any of that. And like, there was virtually like my friends in school knew pretty much nothing about it, which is not on them, you know? And there are many, unfortunately, I can't tell you the names because I was even younger, but there are many kids throughout like when I was in elementary and middle school that once again, I told you my father and I, every single morning, if it wasn't the news then it was the newspaper itself, reading through it and yeah very very often unfortunately there was something going on and there was virtually no outcry i think that the world as a whole is becoming more and more polarized and people are turning more and more inwards um and i think this also has to do with like the greater picture of like social media and the ability that it's given everyone all of us like i'm not I'm not an angel and I'm not like, you know, not affected by it, but it's given all of us the ability to just turn further into whatever we already think is right. And everyone I think is just running around with tons of confirmation bias and it's making the world a more and more dangerous place. So while it was nice, all the support and I air quotations here that the general world was giving towards black people, I think that people as a whole are not really interested in hearing anything that isn't popular. And right now, anti-Semitism is not popular and hating Jews and hating Israel is very popular. So it's really just hard for me to compare the two because I feel like right now one is having its time in the spotlight and soon that will be unpopular as well. And it'll be some other form of bigotry. And I think what you said earlier about people saying things because it sounds right, but not internalizing it is the name of the game that has been just growing stronger 
and stronger and honestly just terrifies me because the blacks the jews asians like who will be next i have no idea and it just makes me feel like we're all becoming more and more intolerant and i'll just end by saying this that it is very hard to be tolerant when you're either not coming from that person's shoes or even harder you're coming from a place that's completely different and sometimes even the opposite or quote unquote the other side um, it's very difficult I know that there is um, a Palestinian girl who I um, connected with um, about two years ago now and I connected with her for the purpose of wanting to understand a perspective that I don't understand you know um, and I, I'd like to think of myself as a tolerant person, but if I'm unable to have conversations with people who are labeling, uh, who other people are labeling as my enemy, then what does that say about me? You know, as much as I want to talk about racism and anti-Semitism that I'm experienced, what does that say about me if I can't listen to people who are quote unquote on a side that's different from mine? Um, so I think it's honestly like a global problem at the world, in the world currently, and I find it terrifying. I agree with you. It, it, it is very scary. And um, I'll just mention, I don't know if you ladies have seen this uh, documentary um, called The Social Dilemma, but it's so worth watching um, because it speaks about exactly what you're saying, Yafi. Um, it's basically, you know, it the irony is so thick because social media is supposed to be this place where you get to connect with other people, right? Think about it in the palm of your hand. You can connect with anyone in the entire world. When were you ever able to do that before, right? You can talk to someone in Malaysia. You could talk to someone in Hong Kong, just, you know, in your car, like literally you can connect with anyone yet. It's making us so disconnected from each other and not just disconnected, but like you said, turning people against each other. And it's very scary. And I would highly recommend uh, The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix um, for anybody that's interested in watching it. And part of the reason, not that I think that we can necessarily change it easily, but I think it's so important to be an educated consumer with what we use, especially social media. It's just like huge, like um, pet peeve of mine, the way social media has changed us so much. And I, I love it for many reasons, but I have this like love hate relationship with it for exactly the reasons that you're saying, you know, so easy to write a post and say, oh, I look great. Black lives matter. I'm moving on. And meantime, did you actually think about actual black lives or are you actually going to change the way you interact with um, black people in your life or, or, you know, any sort of um, issue related to bigotry? Um, so exactly what you're saying, Yafi, I agree with you um, 100%. And I just think it's so important for us, like awareness is, is the first thing, right? It's just key to making any sort of change, um, whether small or large. So uh, Lana, I wanted to sort of end off with this. Um, you know, what kind of message do you have for your Jewish brothers and sisters about dealing with um, anti-Semitism that we're seeing all around us as individuals. You know, it's a very hard thing to see. I, my grandparents went through the Holocaust and I was raised with that knowledge, but I never thought that I'd be feeling the way I do today. You know, like, like you said, actually afraid at times to walk on the streets and just just like general tension and nervousness of like, what's gonna be, where is it things gonna go from here? Um, you know, like Yafi said, you can't really compare the two forms of hatred, but as someone who's built some resiliency with dealing with bigotry, can you recommend anything or, or give any sort of advice? Um, so the advice that I always give myself, and I think my husband is like such a huge advocate of this, um, and I know that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was an advocate of this, is to really be proud. We have no reason not to be proud as Jews, um, you know, and that's not easy when you feel like people hate you or it might not be safe or, you know, all these things. I'm not saying go out and be arrogant and, you know, um, to taunt people. I'm saying, you know, be safe, do what you have to do to be safe. Don't go out at night if you feel it's not a, a safe place to be. but um, you know, be proud of who you are, be proud of who you are, be proud that you're a Jew, make a Kiddush Hashem, you know, it's even more of a reason to kind of go out into the world and be the shining light of 
Hashem manifest in the world versus like going home and shrinking and, and, and just saying, everybody hates me, I guess I'll just stay at home for the rest of my life, which, you know, I'm speaking to myself as well, because I have those days. I have those days where I'm like, I don't want to face the world because everyone hates me. The flip side of that is, first of all, that's not true. It's never everyone. You know, we hear the loud voices that are, you know, searching for Jewish pride and searching for the Zionistic posts and purposely going and writing negative things on those pages. They don't follow those people. Like that's the thing that always amazes me. So we don't have to seek that out. We don't have to pay attention to that. We can really give more attention to loving our neighbors, making a Kiddush Hashem, knowing that Hashem loves us and doing the best that you can. You know, there are always going to be people in every community that are not necessarily doing what's right. Just because someone in my community, whatever community that might be, or someone who looks like me does something wrong, that doesn't mean that every person who looks like me or belongs to my community does something wrong. We don't have to take that on. We can do good things and we can know that we are good and we should have hope. We should have hope. We should know that Hashem loves us and we should make a Kiddush Hashem. That's a great message. And I, I think it's, it's, it's helpful because it narrows things down to a more doable level, right? Like the people that we interact with, we can influence for the better. Um, and we may be the only Jewish person that they know personally, but then if they know us and they know that we're not all bad, then when they hear negative things about Jews, they can be like, wait, but I know Alana, but I know, yeah, you know, whatever, these women are not bad people. So maybe I'm not going to believe everything that I'm hearing, you know, straight offhand. Um, and just to, uh, end off Yafi, do you have any other comments, um, in addition to what Alana said? No, um, I think Alana really hit the nail on the head and just said something that I deeply believe and think is so true. And I'm just very thankful to be able to sit and talk with you ladies again. Um, and I also just want to give you a huge kudos because I think that it's very easy and we all do this. Everyone is guilty of this or things going on right now that were popular a few days ago and already are subsiding very quickly. We all have our lives. And also, I think it's psychologically a coping method mechanism. Otherwise, we would all be in bed as little blothering, sobbing messes all day long if we allowed every single trauma to affect us 100%. But I think having said that, that that's exactly what makes it so hard to remain cognizant of struggles that are not your own, you know, like, it is very easy for me to talk about racism because I am black and I experience it. It is very easy for me to talk about anti-Semitism because I am Jewish and I experience it, you know? It's the things that you do not directly experience but that affect your brother or sister that sometimes are the hardest to talk about or even to remember to talk about. So I really just give you the utmost kudos, thanks and respect for being aware of this and just once again, shining a light on a problem that our global community experiences and especially our Jewish community. Um, and I hope that, you know, there will be more people like you out there raising awareness who are not the ones directly affected by this, but amplifying the voices of those who are and doing your best and really our best because we all have things that we need to understand better that other people are struggling with. Um, so just, yeah, thank you so much. Thank really. you. I appreciate you saying that. And I, I really appreciate you ladies giving me the time um, and all the work that you've been doing. Cause I know I mentioned this already, but I, I could not muster the strength to do it when it came to antisemitism. So I can't even imagine the strength that it took for you um, to put yourselves out there that way and, and to really help with the, you know, with what's going on, educating the community. It's, it's our job as, as Jews to view everybody, no matter what they look like or where they come from. And it's a very basic thing that unfortunately we need reminding of very often. And uh, the fact that you have been so vocal and you know able to put yourselves out there, it, it must have taken a tremendous amount of strength. And I appreciate so much that you're willing to share your experiences and you know, you're both so well-spoken and eloquent and can share, you know, your, your emotions and your experiences so well. And like I said, 
I think the results speak for themselves because definitely um, there seems to be a tremendous amount of interest and that also is so heartening to see that that people want to hear and hopefully want to make positive changes. So thank you again. And hopefully we can speak again soon. And I hope that, you know, you ladies can take some me time and some downtime because it's been one really rough year. Um, but thank you again so, so much for your time and everything that you have done. Thank you so much. This was one of the first interviews I did and it's nice to come back and have a full circle experience. Thank you. Great. And Mazatov again on your baby. Amen. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much.